Welcome, everybody, to Behind Enemy Lines. I'm Alejandro Suniga over at the Michigan Insider. Uh, this is our show where we take a closer look at the Michigan football team's upcoming opponent. And the year has really gone by quickly because we are now previewing Michigan versus Illinois Senior Day, the very last home game of the 2022 season. Excited to have with me to talk about this matchup, Jeremy Warner, uh, who covers all things Illini over at the Illini Inquirer, our 24-7 site. Jeremy, how are you doing this afternoon? Doing great, Alejandro. Uh was kind of uh, fearing I was going to miss out on a big game because I'm heading out to Vegas here to cover Illinois basketball, who's uh, playing two ranked opponents in the main event. I know Michigan was a part of that last year, and I was going to miss potentially a top 10 matchup between 9-1 Illinois and 10-0 and Michigan, but uh, Illinois is not taking care of business, of course. So not not fearing missing out here, but uh, still it, it is a better Illinois football team coming in. But uh, clearly in Michigan, things are going very swimmingly right now. Yeah, well, that, 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 that's a great place to start, Jeremy, because this game quietly and then not so quietly throughout the course of the season just kept building and building intrigue. You know, from a Michigan perspective, this has not been the best home slate in Michigan football history. Uh, I, I think there's a, well, I don't think, I know there have been a lot of games that have just been blowouts and they were always expected to be blowouts and they were, they were always going to be blowouts. But then you go, you come into the middle of the season and all of a sudden you look at this Illinois-Michigan matchup and the Illini were atop the Big Ten West. You know, they beat Wisconsin on the road at Wisconsin, which is one of those scores that was, I believe it was 34 to 10, where you you see the score after the fact and, and you kind of have to look twice at it because you don't expect Illinois to go into Madison and win by 24 points. Uh, but like you said, Jeremy, this is a team that has not really taken care of business the last couple of weeks. Illinois had a chance to really you know, it was in the driver's seat for the Big Ten West. It had a chance to to seal that division pretty much, uh, but then lost at home to a shorthanded Michigan State team. Uh, and last weekend at home against Purdue fell short yet again. Uh, so I'm just curious if you could take us through what this season has been like. It, it certainly seemed like it's a success, no matter how it plays out. You know, Illinois is going to finish with a winning record in the regular season for the first time in a while. They're going to go bowling. They are in contention for the Big Ten West as we're getting into the later weeks of November. At the same time, there has to be a little bit of disappointment that they couldn't close out at least this far. They they haven't been able to close out something that would have been a really special end to this season. Yeah, you hit it, Alejandro. I think, uh, you know, this team started with a you know, blowout win over Wyoming. How much you put in that, you don't know. And then they lose to Indiana. And you're thinking, is this a bowl team? Because Indiana, we knew, wasn't going to be very good. Uh, Illinois shot itself in the foot time after time, which has kind of been Illinois football over the last decade and a half, right? So you're not knowing what to expect. Uh, they they get to three and one, beat a Virginia team that beat them last year pretty handily in Virginia. And then they beat Chattanooga. And you just didn't know what this team could be. That Wisconsin win was kind of – the statement win still, I think, of the year. To, to beat a Wisconsin team that I think is showing improvement, obviously flawed, but to beat them 34-10 to 10 and kill them in the trenches was, was kind of a statement for this team. Then they beat Iowa 9-6, to six, an ugly game. They lost starting quarterback Tommy DeVito in that one, but found a way to win because their defense was legitimate, uh, and their offense made just enough plays, and, and maybe they got a few breaks in that one, but they still beat an Iowa team that 
might win the West here uh, towards the end. Uh, then Minnesota, they dominated that game. Only won by 12, but they should have won 40-something to, to, to seven, really, in that game. Um, but they find a way to dominate that game win. Go on the road against Nebraska, who's not a good team, but you dominated them, right? So, like, it felt all legitimate. And then you set up yourself for two weeks. If you beat opponents where you're favored to beat as a ranked team, you win the Big Ten West. We'd be sitting here today talking about Illinois playing in the Big Ten championship game. So if you zoom out, if you would have told me seven and three, um, you know, four and three in the Big Ten through week 10 going to Michigan, that's a complete success. That's a huge success for Illinois football and a huge step forward for this program. But the way it's happened to win six straight games, to put yourself in the conversation of, hey, if Illinois wins out and beats Michigan and beats Ohio State, which we knew it wasn't going to happen. But if they had done those things, they had a college football playoff. They would have been there. Like to, So to have that and now all of a sudden just be hoping to play a Florida Bowl game. Uh, just just hoping to beat Northwestern in week, uh, you know, t- the last game of the season, so you can get to eight and four, have a chance to to be in the conversation for the West. That's a, that's 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 a huge come down for for Illinois football, for the program inside the program, and for a fan base that was starting to believe because you know they hadn't sold more than forty thousand tickets here to a game since twenty sixteen, Lovey Smith's first year uh, against Mitch Trubisky in North Carolina. Um, that was the last time they had a sellout. And they've come close. They came close against Michigan State, weren't able to quite get there. But last week they had 45,000. So to, to have that come come back down has been disappointing. But to tell Michigan fans, this is a much better football team. It's a much more competitive football team. It plays like Iowa, Wisconsin of years past. But they, they've they had a couple issues that we can get into if you want to. But um, they've had some issues here crop up later on in the season that have shown some flaws about what a rebuilding program in year two can often encounter. Yeah. I mean, let's get into both the, the successes and the flaws. I think, I think if you're a Michigan fan and even a Michigan player, uh, you take a, a step back or you squint a little bit and you look at this Illinois team and you think of it almost as a model of Michigan. Uh, I think Michigan fans have a lot of respect for Brett Bielema. Uh, there was a time I remember when I was in high school going to a Michigan-Wisconsin football game at the Big House. It was 2010. Uh, this was the Rich Rod era for Michigan uh, when Michigan was moving away from its pro-style run-first offense to, to something spread, something that seemed so – I mean, it was so different than what Michigan had done uh, up to that point. And then here comes Brett Bielema with Wisconsin – and I think it was 20 straight plays or something along those lines where they they ran literally the exact same play and just ran it down Michigan's throat. Uh, that was, I mean, that was a kind of an exclamation point on, you know, if you run a pro style offense well, it can work for you. And now Michigan is doing that. Illinois is doing it. And what they're both doing, it seems, is you can control the game on the ground. It is never going to be the flashiest offense. It's maybe not going to have the most explosive plays, but if you can grind out teams on the ground and pair that with a really good defense, that's really good complementary football, and it's going to win you a lot of games. And it seems to have done that so far this season at Illinois. Uh, Chase Brown is an excellent running back. You got to start with that. Uh, You've got to start with what seems like a a very disciplined, a very well-coached offensive line. Uh, so let's start there. Chase Brown, 
suffered, it seemed like a leg injury, but I was just reading over at your site, Jeremy, that it looks like things are trending in the right direction for him to play this weekend. What does he bring to this Illinois team? Yeah, I think a lot of things Blake Corum brings to Michigan. Uh, I, I think they're two really, really talented backs. I think Michigan's offensive line is better in Illinois. Um, but I, I think if Chase Brown were in a Michigan uniform, he'd be a Heisman candidate. I mean, he kind of has. He struck a Heisman pose last week and yes, he things kind of went downhill after that. Um, <laughs> but he is putting up numbers. We haven't seen at Illinois in a long time. He has a chance to set the single season record if he gets healthy. Whether he'll play, I'm not sure. He was limping heavily after the game, but he was walking under his own power. I would imagine he doesn't practice this week, but he's just really explosive. Um, he's not the biggest guy at 205 pounds, but he rarely goes down on first contact. The, the issue right now with Chase Brown is he just doesn't have much help around him. Teams are really keying in on him um, and, and taking away his ability to run, and he's really – so some of the long runs he had early on in the season uh, are not there uh, because teams are really stacking the box. DBs are coming down, you know, eight yards behind the line of scrimmage instead of 12. Um, so you're starting to see teams get that, but he still gets his yards. He's had 98 plus yards in every game. Like his 100 yard streak ended last week, but he's done that because he's able to get these five and six yard gains, even if he doesn't have good blocking. Um, the offensive line was really strong through the first eight games of the season. They've kind of taken a step back the last two weeks against a Michigan State team that has talent up front, but, you know, had the worst rushing defense in the Big Ten coming into that game. Illinois got out physical, I thought. Purdue, their defensive line confused them a little bit, did some movement up front that, that really got to Illinois. So the offensive line has not been as good, and obviously they have their toughest test this weekend. But the other part of the offense, it's been a huge difference of last year. You know, when Illinois went on the road and beat Penn State last year they were top 10 team at the time Penn State uh and, and Brett Bielma's mentioned that to his team this week about how they were able to do that they ran the ball they ran barge formation which is two extra offensive linemen no wide receivers like they just ran it down Penn State's throat um this year they can throw the ball a little bit uh Tommy DeVito Syracuse transfers really giving them good balance for the most part, he makes really good decisions. He can throw through for 200-plus yards, which was double what Illinois would usually throw for in the Big Ten last year. Illinois does not have a lot of dynamic wide receivers, but they have some big physical guys. And then they have Isaiah Williams, who Michigan offered as a wide receiver out of high school. Uh, and he's a dynamic guy that can make some plays in space and, and bust off a big one. So it's not the most dynamic passing attack, but DeVito's really accurate, and uh, he just gives them a little bit of balance they, they didn't have previously. But – you mentioned Alondra, like that. This is built like a Wisconsin offense, and that they want to run the ball, they want to establish the run. But what people forget about those Wisconsin teams under Bielma is they were incredibly efficient at throwing the ball. Um, it was just a great balance between the two, and you couldn't really stack one against the other. Illinois doesn't quite have the talent in the passing game to do that completely, but they're at least a threat uh, in the passing game to do that. Um, so they've definitely taken a step forward there. But the difference is. Barry Lunny, their first-year offense coordinator, came from UTSA. He doesn't. He runs a pro-style style, I would guess, in that he likes tight ends, likes to run the ball, likes to be physical, but it, there's spread concepts in it. So it's kind of this marriage of spread pro-style uh, that, that kind of gives Illinois a more modern offense. It's not the old Bielma, you know, to a fullback, two tight ends on the field. Uh, they, they mix up personnel a lot. Yeah, that's fair. I, I was watching some of the – the Illinois tape from the last couple of weeks. And I noticed Tommy DeVito is pretty much always in the shotgun. You know, he, he teases, even if he, he 
it's more of a give, but he's doing sort of those uh, zone read type plays uh, where zone he does read, have RPOs. Yep. Yeah, his zone reads, RPOs, all that kind of stuff. Though, though. Yep. So, so it's not exactly, uh, not exactly uh, pro style. Like, like you said, it is a bit of that marriage. Um, but I, I want to just throw out there, Chase Brown. Like, if you're a Michigan fan listening to this, uh, you know, Michigan coaches have even talked about how Blake Corum gets maybe a few too many touches per game than Michigan would want. You know, they'd like to take a, a little bit of the burden off his shoulders a little bit. He has 236 touches, Blake Corum does this season. Chase Brown has more than 300. You know, this is, a, it, at least from my perspective, like this offense really starts and and goes at the pace that Chase Brown can carry it. Which These is why last couple. Out. Yeah, which is why if he's out, it's huge. Yeah. It, it is absolutely huge but it's not a surprise um because josh mccray is kind of their second back and he's been injured throughout the year was injured with a knee injury for seven games comes back uh barely plays a game comes back plays another game but then gets an ankle injury so he's a six foot one 240 pound back that they're hoping can play this week uh but he he ran for 100 something yards uh, against purdue last year 150 yards against penn state in that upset win so they're lacking that guy. And it felt like a matter of time before Chase Brown was going to get banged up. And I think all those hits are starting to take an effect. That said, he's still being productive. Yeah. Well, uh, Jeremy, you just mentioned that that the coaching staff over at Illinois has brought up the, the Penn State game from last year. And uh, I do hope that this game doesn't go into nine overtimes, although that would be um, that would be quite funny. Um, but these last couple of weeks, it seems like the yeah, the, the offense maybe has taken a bit of a step back for Illinois, other than, you know, Chase Brown getting banged up at the end of the at, at the end of this Purdue game. Is there something that's really stood out that just hasn't worked quite as well? What, what I think is frustrating for Illinois in the Purdue game is the issue that they had had most of the season, even when they were winning, was they could move the ball 20 to 20. Like they were very efficient moving the ball 20 to 20. But once they would get in the red zone, they really struggled. They couldn't punch it in. They couldn't execute a play. They couldn't get the push. They were getting 20 to 20 on the offensive line. Um, but now against Purdue, they go four for four. They get a field goal and three touchdowns. Like that was a huge success for them, but they couldn't sustain drives. Tommy DeVito was a little inaccurate uh, in that game. The offensive line wasn't as productive. Uh, the receivers had a couple of drops. So they just weren't able to sustain the drives that they have all season long. Um, so that that's what's frustrating uh, for this team is because they feel feel like they won or they fixed one thing with their offense and weren't able to get it with the next. Um, another issue this team is having, um, and it's more on the defensive end, but I will bring it up with the offense with the running back being hurt. Um, wide receiver Pat Bryant left last game. Not sure what that injury was, but they just don't have a lot of depth. There's just not a lot of depth. And you wonder at this point of the year, is everyone getting a little banged up? Everyone getting a little winded and tired? Um, so, so that's been an impact for them, but I mean, their offense isn't great. It, it's good enough. It's made huge strides last year. Their passing attack was putrid, awful. Like it was, if they got a hundred yards in a big 10 game, it was a huge success. It was all chase Brown and Josh McCray. Now they can do more things. They can move up the ball up and down the field, but they're not a team that's built to come back. Like they're not a team that's built to be Purdue where you can overcome uh, some big deficit because you have, you know, great, great arm quarterback and, and a bunch of talented wide receivers who can be game breakers. They don't have that. So it's a team that needs to stay close and with striking distance have a chance, I think, against Michigan. 
All right, that's going to wrap it up for our conversations about the Illinois offense. We're going to take a quick break, come back and talk about the defense. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back, folks, on the Michigan Insider at michigan.247sports.com, going behind enemy lines as we preview Michigan, Illinois. I'm Alejandro Suniga over at the Michigan Insider, talking with Jeremy Werner, publisher over at the Illini Inquirer. Jeremy, we just finished talking about the offense for the most part and and what Illinois can bring to the table at the big house on Saturday at noon for this showdown against number three, Michigan. Both teams, though, have excellent defenses. And I think like Michigan, Illinois really complements its run first offense uh, with one of the better defenses in the Big Ten, if not one of the better defenses in the country. Uh, Illinois right now ranks second behind only Michigan and FBS in total defense at 246.9 yards allowed per game. They allow just 4.2 yards per play, which is right around Iowa and Michigan, some of the better defenses in the country. So I'm just going to kind of leave it open, open-ended like that is what has made this Illinois defense so good in year two under Brett Bielema? Well, if you would have caught me two weeks ago talking about this defense, I, I might have had even a, a higher opinion of them. But the last two weeks, they have given up 54 points. Um, and, and part of that we'll get into is is depth. Uh, they've had some key injuries that, that have hurt them. Uh, but Ryan Walters is a star. Their defensive coordinator uh, is being mentioned for some head coaching jobs. I don't know if he'll get it. I'm sure he'll be mentioned with some SEC schools talk about hiring a new defensive coordinator uh he's the first seven figure coordinator in, in illinois history he gets paid over a mil uh per year is the first guy to do that uh illinois locked him up and it showed for illinois a, a huge investment uh into him uh but he's just really bright he's kind of created this own defense from scratch which i i find really really interesting uh they usually have a five-man front three defensive linemen and, and two guys they usually call outside linebackers uh, and they just they're very aggressive with their blitz packages for the most part, and they play man-to-man coverage. And they say, beat our really good DBs because they have really, really good defensive backs, at least a few of them. Uh, Devin Witherspoon's going to be drafted probably in the first two rounds. Long, lanky corner, uh, really competitive. He has shut down some of the top wide receivers in the Big Ten. Trey Palmer had one catch for one yard against Illinois, didn't get any against uh, Witherspoon in coverage. Um, Keon Coleman, who I think is a star at Michigan State, probably a future NFL guy, two catches for 26 yards against Illinois, zero against Devin Witherspoon, who was on him most of the day. Uh, and then Charlie Jones um, got a few underneath against Devin Witherspoon, and Witherspoon was called for some really controversial pass interferences in that game, one that swung the game. Um, but Charlie Jones mostly kept under wraps uh, by, by Devin Witherspoon. So he's the star. Sidney Brown looks like Troy Palomalu, who kind of plays like him. Won't be uh, an NFL Hall of Famer or first-round draft pick, but <laughs> he's just kind of the college Illinois version of that. Um, he's just really, really aggressive, big hitter, uh, sometimes too aggressive, but Illinois can't coach it out of him. Uh, and then Quan Martin had a rough game against Purdue, um, but 
he was there. He had so many chance. He had two chances to have game changing interception. Just couldn't corral one, and then just misjudged one on Charlie Jones that went for a touchdown that really changed the game in the second quarter. So uh, Quan Martin's got a chance to be first or second team All Big Ten. Devin Witherspoon's got a chance to be an All American, uh, but they just play with aggression. They they play with a a, a lot of tenacity. Um, and defensive line has, has been a strength of theirs, but again, the last, especially against Purdue, it wasn't quite as, as good. Johnny Newton's probably an all American, their defensive lineman, uh, not the biggest guy, longest guy, he's six foot two, about 300 pounds, but a great athlete. He, he could enter the draft after this year as a, as a redshirt sophomore, uh, really disruptive on the interior. Keith Randolph, six, five, 300, really long. I think he could start at a place like Michigan. Uh, and then a guy that they've kind of missed the last couple of weeks is Seth Coleman, their outside linebacker missed the last two games with a concussion. Uh, he's six, five, two thirty, two forty, really good athlete, uh, wins one-on-one battles a lot. He's made some game changing plays only three and a half sacks, but he just hits the quarterback a lot. And usually those lead to interceptions. Um, so he's made getting him back. He's, he's supposed to be healthy now will be big for Illinois. And then they got a freshman All-American on the other side, Gabe Ackes, an outside linebacker who uh, Illinois was got – they won over Tennessee at the end, but he was committed to Tulane, kind of an under-the-radar guy in, in Florida. And then Illinois found out about him, Tennessee found out about him, uh, and he's probably going to be a draft pick um, at, at some point. So they have some talent. Uh, they're just running into some depth issues here. Um, they've had – I guess it's three of their top four corners have been hurt. Two of them are out for the season. So they had a true freshman in Xavier Scott playing against Purdue, which is never a good thing. They attacked him Uh, with Coleman out. uh, Purdue attacked one of their outside linebackers who hasn't played a lot. So their D line and and defensive backfield have like three or four players who are on each side that are really good. Uh, but after that, it drops off a little bit. And, and teams are starting to take advantage of that. They're starting to take advantage of Illinois' aggression and man coverage, running some screens, doing a lot of to the tight end, targeting the linebackers in coverage because Illinois' linebackers aren't great. Um, but if the D-line and cornerbacks and, and, and secondary play to their capabilities, it's a team that's capable of, of competing with Michigan, whether they can keep them quiet. Um, we know Michigan's run game is is really, really good. But Illinois probably got, a couple defenders or, you know, maybe a handful that, that could play and, and start at, at Michigan. It's just the next group is, isn't quite as good. Yeah, it really should be a fascinating matchup. I mean, Illinois' scoring defense is uh, right now ranks top five nationally, 12 and a half points per game. It's top 10 units against both the rush and the pass. And And what it sounds like, at least what I'm hearing from you, Jeremy, is that some of the depth issues, some of the injuries – are, or the majority of them are occurring in the secondary. And that, that's just a level that Michigan over the last few weeks has really struggled to get its pass game going. On the one hand, it hasn't needed to. You know, on the one hand, you know, Michigan is running for five, six yards a carry. And as Jim Harbaugh said during his press conference this week, you know, if they're not stopping you, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do anything different. But Illinois does seem to be one of those teams that's that can stop the run. You know, they've done it this year. And if they stop that Michigan running attack, does Michigan have enough in its pass game to move the ball consistently down the field? Doesn't always have to be downfield shots for 40, 50 yards, but can they consistently move the ball and pick up first downs through the air if they have to? 
it will be a yeah. fascinating matchup and and there's only one way to find out right and that's that's at the big house on on saturday afternoon um jeremy i'm curious you know, we, we, illinois obviously will bring a lot to the table this is going to be one of the more interesting games that is going to happen at the big house this year quite honestly like there's penn state which is a top 10 matchup outside of that you know michigan state's obviously a rivalry but nebraska has really struggled you know, Maryland has been up and down. It, it's been a lot of blowouts. I, w- when you're looking at this game, is there one player or one, you know, one element that you really think is an X factor for this game outside of maybe Chase Brown's health? Yeah, Chase Brown's health is, is huge. Illinois is going to yeah. need him. Um, I think Tommy DeVito's got to have his best game uh, against a great Michigan defense. Uh, he usually makes really good decisions. He made uh, some errors in his reads, uh, just to whether to run or to throw it. Um, but he is capable of, of moving the ball. Illinois has got to keep the score lower, though. I don't think Illinois is capable of putting up, you know, 28-plus points uh, against this Michigan defense. So I, I think this is the time for Illinois' defense to bounce back in, in a big way. And number one is you got to slow Blake Corm and, and Edwards, right? Like Those guys are really good. Can you compete with Michigan's offensive line, which obviously is one of the best uh, in the country? You have to slow them down and, and make J.J. McCarthy beat you, right? J.J. is really talented. We know all about him. He's from uh, Naperville, uh, not too far from here. Chicago Nazareth kid. Like um, they need to, they need to make that kid under duress. Put him under duress with your passing rush, pass rush, which is capable if everybody's healthy. Uh, and to make him throw into coverage against Devin Witherspoon, against you know Quan Martin, against Sidney Brown, I, I think that's the key. Um, because JJ McCarthy, I think Michigan has used him brilliantly this year. He's a great athlete. You got to be able to account for all of that too. But I think you got to you got to push you got to put him in situations maybe he hasn't been in against some other teams. I don't know if that's good enough to beat Michigan, right? But I think that has to be the game plan because you can't let Michigan control the clock. You can't let Michigan run all over you, uh, which Illinois has been run all over the last couple of weeks, but teams are starting to get more yards on them. Like Wisconsin, they shut down to 26 yards rushing. I believe it was Um, Iowa could barely run against Illinois. Uh, Mo Ibrahim and Minnesota were able to run on Illinois, but they weren't able to throw it because they had a backup quarterback and Tanner Morgan wasn't good. So it's, it's about making them make plays in the passing game. They are capable of doing that. I know they are. Um, but that that's the way Illinois has to do it because Illinois, I think still is one of the leaders in the country in interceptions because they play that tight man coverage, uh, because they have really good DBs and they have a really, they have, they've had a really good pass rush. So to get Seth Coleman back to force those Michigan offensive linemen to, to give one-on-one battles for Seth Coleman, Gabe Backus and Johnny Newton, those guys are all capable of winning some of those battles, but they're going to have to, they're going to have to force some turnovers uh, on J.J. McCarthy. It would be my only way that they're going to have a chance to win that game at the end because Michigan is just too talented, too deep everywhere. Yeah, that's that's certainly one key to watch. Uh, Jim Harwell was talking this week that he can't he can't remember off the top of his head the last time Michigan offensively had a turnover. It's It's been a while. At the same time, Michigan is a team that it seems like they they take the safe and consistent you know, 99 times out of 100. They will put the ball in Blake Corum's hands. Blake Corum does not lose fumbles with any regularity. And they know that they can pick up, you know, four, five, six, six yards on first down and, you know, grind out second and short, third and short, and grind out the clock that way. At the same time, 
Michigan has struggled to hit the deep shots. The receivers have shown flashes at times, but they haven't shown a consistent ability to win one-on-one matchups. And that's against secondaries like Nebraska's, like Michigan State's, that you don't necessarily think are are the best in the Big Ten or or up there. Uh, Illinois is a different story. Uh, Illinois is a different story. And, you know, when you're talking about some of the better defenses Michigan has faced, Michigan took what Iowa gave them earlier this season. J.J. McCarthy was, you know, he was solid. He he took what the defense gave him. Uh, they they picked up some yards on the ground. Uh, they were able to get J.J. out of the pocket a little bit. They used his running ability against Penn State as well, and that really opened up the offense. Uh, but how much do you want to do that the week before the Ohio State game? And, you know, how much do you want to put on Blake Corum's shoulders the week before Ohio State? Do you want to maybe show that Cornelius Johnson, that Andrell Anthony, that that Roman Wilson at wide receiver can make those plays and, you know, leave that in Ohio state's mind. Uh, it, it will be fascinating. And I, I think this game is going to be closer than the 17 point spread indicates or suggests. Jeremy, what do you think? I, I know you said that, that Michigan is very talented, uh, that maybe Illinois depth isn't all the way there. Do you think they keep it closer I think they're capable. I don't know if they're – and this could be a blowout. If Illinois plays the way it has the last couple of weeks, uh, I, I could see that. But I've also seen an Illinois team demolish um, Wisconsin, demolish Nebraska, demolish uh, a Minnesota team that's pretty good, um, and and play fantastic against Iowa. They just couldn't – they had a quarterback issue because their, their starting quarterback was out. Um but I, I find that the other part, I mean, you got to find interesting is it is the week before the Ohio State game. And, you know, Illinois not ranked. So I, I don't know how much I buy into this because usually college coaches are pretty good about getting kids focused, but they are kids. And, and, and you wonder sometimes if they're looking ahead. So Illinois is probably hoping a little bit of that, that uh, they can play spoiler and that uh, Ohio State is a trap game, whatever you want to say. Uh, but Illinois is going to have to play its best game of the season. They have to play like they did against Wisconsin. Uh, to have a chance to, to win this game. And, you know, Wisconsin and Michigan are similarly built. Michigan's more talented than Wisconsin, but Illinois was the more physical team against Wisconsin. They have to bring that. They have to bring the edge back. I think Illinois was playing with – they looked like a team that was playing tight the last couple of weeks because it was the first time they were the front runner, hmm. right? Is the first time they – we're leading something, two more wins, and you're in the Big Ten championship game, and you're either playing Michigan or Ohio State for, for you know, a chance to go to maybe the Rose Bowl for Illinois. They've never been in that situation before. The best this some of these guys have ever done is going six and six and going to the Red Box Bowl. Um, you know, winning four games in a row, you know, upsetting Michigan State in an epic comeback and beating Wisconsin here at, at their own field. So you know, winning six straight games, I think they felt great, but they also added some pressure. I'm wondering how Illinois, and this is all fan stuff, right? Like, but I, I do wonder how Illinois' mindset changes now that they're the hunted or hunter again, not the hunted. Um, and they won at Penn State last year. They wanted a ranked Minnesota team last year. They seem to thrive in some of those environments. And you know, I was at the big house, like that place is insane. How many fans are there? Uh, and they seem to like that because if you've ever been to Champagne, there's not that many fans here comparatively. So um, all of that stuff I'm interested in. But at the end of the day, Illinois has to play its cleanest game. It can't have turnovers. It has to force turnovers, which we know Michigan doesn't do very well. 
Um, I just think they have to make Michigan feel that pressure, right? That they haven't felt all season. And it's because Michigan's really good. But also, as you said, Michigan hasn't played a lot of great teams out of Penn, outside of Penn State. I think Illinois is probably the next best team they've probably played. Um, so you probably need to need to make them feel like they're in a game in the third quarter. And, and if Illinois can do that, if they can find some success, chew up some clock, the same things Michigan wants to do, then maybe you can force Michigan into, into some errors. But that's what it's going to take. Because um, I, I think Michigan wins this game. Uh, and, and it's about Illinois trying to to come back, at least from the outside, and and beat Northwestern for a second straight year, and and get to either Florida or Nashville for for a bowl game. And at least give yourself a chance. But you know, from for Illinois, this would certainly make everything feel better from the last two weeks. Because I I personally think it'd be better for Illinois to beat Michigan on the road for, as a program than it would be to make a Big Ten championship game. Like I I just think that would be such a statement uh, for Brett Bielema's second straight year and uh, to have a top ten road win. Uh, stuff Illinois hasn't done in a really long time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jeremy, I think you're exactly right that you know, these are kids and this is football's an emotional game. Uh, and Illinois may be going out there with something to prove after these last couple of weeks. Michigan, Michigan knows what's right around the corner. They know that no matter what happens on Saturday, you know, November 26th in Columbus is going to be for the Big Ten East title. They they know that's coming. And I think you're right. Michigan hasn't Michigan hasn't faced a team that is both this talented and also this physical. And I think as disciplined and well coached in quite some time that, you know, maybe maybe Illinois could smack them in the face a little bit. And and then who knows? Yeah, the team I would compare them to. Sorry, Alejandro. The team I would compare them to is Iowa. Only they have they can throw the ball. Yeah. Right. Like um, Iowa, I think, is a real, is a good team. When I saw them here, that defense is legit. I think Illinois and Iowa's defense, though they're different in how they play, um, I, I think they're similar talent level. So uh, I, I think that's kind of the matchup. And I can see Illinois being in a having a decently close game, um, you know, forcing Michigan maybe to throw it a, a little bit. You know, Michigan ran for 172 yards in that game like. I can see something similar uh, to that. So th- that's the level I think Illinois is as, as a season on a whole. The last two weeks, of course, they, they haven't been that. So, um, But Illinois should be motivated to show a much better product on the field. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for taking us behind enemy lines. Uh, for myself, Alejandro Suniga over at the Michigan Insider, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, of course, you will find plenty of preview content today, throughout the week, and then day of the game itself, Saturday noon at the Big House broadcast on ABC. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Peace.